Welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic. With you as always, I'm one of your hosts, Vanessa. And also here is his hep cool daddy, Darren. Hello. <laughs> I was waiting for more. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a little poem that I wrote while... Riding the trains and Texarkana. <laughs> right on, Daddy O. <laughs> yes, we are covering. Uh, this is our Beat the Heat episode where we are covering um, the beat writers, uh, Diane DePrima, with her novel. Autobiography, whatever memoirs, memoirs of, beatnik. of a beatnik. Yeah, again with the memoirs category, right? <laughs> and um, and then we were covering the film, the Stephen K. directed film, "The Last Time I Committed Suicide" from 1997 about uh, Neil Cassidy, and etc. Uh, etc. Et yeah, we've uh, got a lot to talk about, but I I think this is going to be what did we decide? Just, we're going to have to delve into some other episodes covering the beats. Yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, there's there are too many of them and too many other things to just do at once. Well, and I I think that we both have enough interest here that uh, that there's adequate material and <laughs> and it seems that actually we've already gotten feedback just. Uh, before we've even recorded the episodes, it seems like people, other people are into the idea. So, yeah. Sounds good uh, to me. Yeah. Anyway, how have you uh, been doing, Darren? I've been doing all right. Um, how about you? Uh, just dandy. Just dandy. Starting to work normal hours like a, like, more normal human being. I mean, you know, as normal as I'm going to get, but <laughs> right. You know, not yeah. doing the job of three people. So that's a good thing. Anyway, yeah, have a little bit more of a personal life as a young woman in New York, uh, like Diane DePrima was in Memoirs of a Beatnik, which is, I think, what we're we're doing that before the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was gonna say, do you do we want to say anything about the beats in general, and then go to a quick break, or just uh, go to a quick break? I guess we could probably just do how we came, how we came to the beats. Okay. And I I don't know if it was for you, but it was not. I I although I definitely appreciate both Cassidy and DePrima, I did not come to the beats by somebody saying oh, you've got to check out The First Third by Neil Cassidy, or you've got to go check out Memoirs of a Beatnik by Diane DePrima. Right. Right. Well, and I brought, and that's part of why I actually brought this book to the table, 
is because it's a lesser read beat book. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, most people, if they're going, if they're they're going to read On the Road by Jack Kerouac before they're going to read anything else. That's, I mean, that's how most people, it seems, enter the you know, stumble upon the beats. That's not how not how it was for me. Mm-hmm. I actually started with Ginsburg and Burroughs before I read Kerouac. Okay. And Diane DePrima, I did read some of her poetry along the way. Um, and and Ferengetti and, and whoever else. I yeah, I, and I've probably read more beat poetry than actually books. Yeah. Okay. One of these days, I'm gonna, I am gonna torture everyone, and I'm gonna make us do some poetry. But this is pretty close. I mean, in a, you know, in a, it's prose poetry. Yeah. We'll do Howl. We'll do a live reading of Howl. Oh, I don't make me turn into Pia Zadora from Hairspray. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when she's the beatnik chick. I iron my hair. No. <laughs> I may dress like that sometimes, but. <laughs> uh, do you remember uh, which which book it was by Ginsburg or Burroughs that you first did? Why well, I, I, I came to Howl be okay. first, yeah, and then then I then Burroughs it was Junkie. That was the first Burroughs book I read too. Yeah, and then I went back and started reading more. Yeah. Cool. And with when with Kerouac, it was Dharma Blues. That was my first book. Look at you. I don't think yeah, I've ever it, read that one. <laughs> it, 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 I really didn't read On the Road until later because I wasn't reading these things in school. Uh, this is these were things I just stumbled upon on my own. Ginsburg, part of how I stumbled upon that is because I think I've mentioned it here and I know on your show Psychosemanticast, I have always been this kind of crazy censorship geek. Um, <laughs> censorship fascinates me yeah, and um, and because of I, so I was as you know, I was seeing what was happening with the NEA and the Maplethorpe uh, trial, um, like with the NEA grants, but it was Maplethorpe and uh, Holly, was it Karen Finley, Holland Hughes, and who was the fourth artist? But anyway, with going against, you know, Jesse Helms and that whole brigade. But I started reading back to, but I was also absorbing things that were actually on our high school reading lists where they gave you options of what books you could read from the list. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always going towards the ones that had been banned, like a clockwork orange. Like that was actually on as an option. So of course I went towards that Martian Chronicles in uh Fahrenheit four, five, one, like I was going, you know, going towards those kinds of things. And so Ginsburg it wasn't on the list, but I, being the little library geek <laughs> that I was, slash am, yeah. uh, then I started just reading more about other books and and things like 
that's how I also got into Henry Miller uh, and Anais Nin and, you know, D.H. Lawrence. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> like I've always gone down the list of like, let's see who was banned at one time or another. But I mean, it's if that's the way you have to stumble upon something like that actually has literary merit behind it, you know, I think yeah. that's that's an even better thing. So, yeah, but I've always, and I, I think, you know, last time I, last episode, uh, the Belle de Jour, uh, episode, I was going on and on at length about surrealism and there's certain elements of surrealism and surrealist writing. I feel that were carried into the beats, mm-hmm. uh, some of the poet that the way that it's a poetic prose, you know, and not everything, but there's something poetic at least about the syntax at times. But we'll get more into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, is there anything else you just wanted to say in general about the kind of the beat movement before we take a quick break? Uh, well, I would like to share my how I came to the beat. Okay. Story. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had already. <laughs> sorry. I'm no, horrible. no, it's all right. Um, I often speak first, so uh, <laughs> it's it's easy to forget. Uh, I, ha- I had a bass player, uh, my, my first bass player, a good friend of mine. Uh, I can't, I don't remember. To you people who listen regularly, he's whose wedding I went to in Tennessee a couple months ago. Anyway, he was older, and he had a really cool bookshelf in his bedroom. And I was the youngest person in the band, and we jammed in his bedroom, which was in a basement. And I would spend a lot of time picking through it. And uh, he, I forget which one he first was, but he just said, you should check out this area. And I remember one night I was just sort of, you know, flipping through a lot of them, uh, in pretty quick succession, I read um, Junkie and a bunch of Ginsburg's poetry. Uh, I picked his because his name was Alan Ginsburg and my middle name is Alan. <laughs> that was the randomness nice. of, at the very nice. beginning. And um, and I really liked Ginsburg. Uh, I I. I did read more of the books than the poetry, but I love Ginsburg. You know, I read a Ginsburg, yeah. po- I read a Ginsburg poem in class in high school and got stared at, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I would always fall in love with somebody that I couldn't have and write poetry about it. And, oh, you know, there. Uh, <laughs> we've all been there. And, you know, I, I have hippie blood in me. And, you know, from my parents. And so I, I gravitated towards Ginsburg in that way. I liked Ka- uh, Kerouac's. Uh, I, I read On the Road was the first thing of his I read. And I really, you know, it was sort of t- uh, paired together. Like I was I already thought that I was going to become a writer and I was in a band. So I was getting into all these writers and I was reading books about going out on the road and doing crazy weird shit all over the country and uh, it was just a perfect storm in high school, you know, like I switched to filterless cigarettes for a while 
Uh, you know, we passed books around, you know, every one of us that read Big Sur would sort of draw away from the friend uh-huh. group and start drinking more wine. And I don't know right. why, maybe just because we were, you know, in high school. And so I just, I just consumed this stuff. And, uh, you know, Memoirs of a Beatnik will be my first read of this book, but I got this big collection of beat stuff and I really loved her mm-hmm. poetry and yeah. I thought it was really cool to see a woman's name in there because it mm-hmm. is largely a boys club, at least in the famous sense. Yes, yes, yes. And so I thought that was cool. You know, me and all my friends wrote little poems in the blank pages of the books and we passed them around. And it was, yeah, like I said before we started recording, it's, I'm just flashing back to high school. And then I took a bunch of classes on the beats in college because I was uh, journalism turned literature major and creative writing. So there's so many beats classes. Uh, see, not my, not with my curriculum, like mm. any school that I went to, which is why I probably read the bulk of like the novels and things after I graduated college. Ah, okay. It's not that I didn't read some on my own along the way. It's just I read, I had more time then to read a wider volume of things that weren't assigned reading because, you know, I was a double major in English and theater. And then I had all these heavy duty, like theology and philosophy courses I had to take because of the school I went to. (laughs) So I had some pretty, yeah, I had some, a lot, a lot of them. And then I would take courses like a poli sci course that was like, you know, politics and literature, utopias and dystopias or something mm-hmm. like that, where I'm reading more like, <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. I mean, like, yeah. oh, I had this really yeah. cool professor uh, named Manny Martinez. He's written a couple books, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a great time. I took a beat specific class with him and then yeah. we sort of became friendly because it was when I was finishing my degree. So I was closer to his mm-hmm. age. Right. And, uh, you know, we would go out and have drinks and stuff. And then I just signed up for all his classes because it could be, you know, 1950s literature. There's going to be a bunch of beats in it. Literature about right. traditional American lifestyle. There's going to be a bunch of fucking beats. Right. In it. Um, mm-hmm. Cool dude. He does a lot of activist work with uh, migrants and indigenous peoples. But I don't think right. he's going to hear it. But cool dude does good things. Anyway. Yeah. I feel a little jazzed. No pun intended, so actually. Speak. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, shit. We better take a break and get rid of some of this corn. And uh... Okay. And then we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema B, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shade Cast, 
Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. And we are back with Memoirs of a Beatnik, written by Diane DePrima. Come on. <laughs> you were you let one out. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do my beat while you were talking. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. We are so uncoordinated with this today. We're not apparently very good with our improvising, or we haven't smoked enough of the uh, the devil's lettuce. Maybe that's it. Or not enough I, caffeine. Yeah, here. I will do some of all of that. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> because that's all you think of, like, the entire, <laughs> like, portrayal of beat kind of yeah. scene. <laughs> I, I will say I have never seen any of them wear a beret. So Ned Flanders lied to us all in trying um, to be smirched, at least the American beatniks, perhaps in a Creole country in Louisiana, or was this more of a French uh, bohemian? No, beatnik? it was, it was more, um, no, it did happen. It was more of a, I feel like it was, it was a fashion thing, but it was a niche you know, really niche thing. It wasn't even all of the beats. Because, yeah, when, yeah. I, when I was little, I think that was my first recollection of hearing the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt, I, yeah. Uh, and it was you know, like Saturday Night Live skits and shit like that. And then right. when I found out these people were really cool, you know, they were kind of punk rock. Yeah, before punk rock. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway... Yes. So, Memoirs of a Beatnik. I'm going to go with the Goodreads description mm-hmm. because it uh, I feel like it's a little bit better than um, some others. Long regarded as a cl- an underground classic for its gritty and unabashedly erotic portrayal of the beat years, Memoirs of a Beatnik is a moving account of a powerful woman artist coming of age sens- sensually and intellectually in a movement dominated by a small confederacy of men, many of whom she lived with and loved, filled with anecdotes about her adventures in New York City. Diane DePrima's memoir shows her learning to, quote, raise her rebellion into art, end quote, and making her way toward literary success. Memoirs of a Beatnik offers a fascinating narrative about a about the courage and triumphs of the imagination. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. better. Like I said, it's better than some other descriptions I read of it. Uh, a lot of that is on the back of my Penguin publishing book. Okay. Especially the um, Raise Her Rebellion into Art line. Well, that's a quote from the book. Okay. Yeah. Because it's 
But uh, there's about a paragraph that's on the back of my book that was in what you said, but not all of what you said was on the back of my book. Okay. Sorry. The horns were getting kind of crazy in my neighborhood for a minute. Uh, um, we're used to the Brooklyn sounds, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, this took place. I always make excuses. I shouldn't make excuses. I know. This I know. book took place in that city. Leave it all well, she's in. She's from here. She's yeah. from she's from, you know, she's from Brooklyn originally. And I mean, she did end up moving out to California. I mean, more San Francisco area. As they all But uh, right, exactly. But she um, yeah, she was part of the movement that was from New York to begin with and not from California or from the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, she was from New York. Ginsburg was from New York. Right. What was well, Peter Orlovsky? Yeah, he's yeah. from New York. Um, because so many of them met at Columbia. Yeah. Um, but she, I mean, she went to Swarthmore, and I mean, but dropped out <laughs> so she could become a poet. <laughs> I mean, that's really the ultimate bohemian lifestyle kind of choice yeah. really. And yeah, it wasn't something you saw many women doing. And that, like I said, I part of why I wanted to bring this to the table is that it's more, it, it's a lesser known, you know, book in the, you know, in the beat generation, but also because it is a female voice. Uh, of course, I mean, all these other players are involved, you know, but um, it's, it's a different, you know, it gives you a, a slightly different point of view. But um, did you know that her maternal grandfather was like pals with Emma Goldman, like anarchist Emma Goldman. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Was really, like, was really <laughs> active. Anarchist. I'm like, okay, it kind of makes sense then, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe there, you know, there was this kind of revolutionary spirit, and instead of, you know, one thing, it was, it just came out artistically. And it's, I, I feel like that's part of one of the, one of the reasons why some of the beats flowed into the hippies 10 years later, 50, 20 years later, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially Ginsburg. And, you know, we'll talk about, I don't know if we'll talk about well, Cassidy, but you know, he drove the fucking did. bus for the electric Kool-Aid acid test. And then Deanna Prima is like still doing stuff. Yeah. You that's know? just it. Like, and she was involved with like Timothy Leary and like shit like that too. Yeah. Um, right. Right. I mean, and she's she was part of the the segment of the beats that gotten very into involved in Buddhism. Yeah. Uh, I've actually, God, I can't remember the name of it now, but I read a really really good book um, about like Buddhism in the beats, like as far as within their works and yeah. uh, some it, it, it took like a, a much like a much deeper 
examination rather than just like literary. It, it, it went into like some of the more serious, like uh, spiritual kind of concepts and, you know, who broke them down, which ways it was, it was very interesting. Um, and I think considering the fact that I was exposed to Buddhism at such a young age, that's part of maybe why I've been drawn to the beats uh, as far as writers go. Perhaps. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that, that could be part of it <laughs> for me. <laughs> I just had a flash and probably created by my brain, you know, as they go, but of my guidance counselor in high school's face when he was asking me what college I planned to go to. And I said the Jack yeah. Kerouac School of Disembodied Artists at the Europa Institute. Yeah. <laughs> I think he thought I was fucking with him or, mm -hmm. and he didn't know how to respond. Well, and actually Diane DePrima did teach there for a good, Jesus, 20 plus years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I glad mean, I I'm I'm glad I didn't go because I probably would have fallen in love with her. <laughs> I I you know I half fell in love with her just reading her stuff and then I saw a picture of her and I was like oh great, she's a pretty lady. Yeah. Um, but her poetry is amazing. Yeah, I I do love her poetry as well. Um. But like I like I was saying earlier, that's one thing I do enjoy about beat like novels, books, whatever. Even the letters, but as I mean, I'm sure we're, we're going to get into more with the movie, which is based on a letter specifically. But these people, they they wrote letters back and forth, be you know over the years, and that correspondence was so rich and was its own thing outside of any specific formal poetry or novel, you know, or short story, whatever it, it, it there's still this, like I was saying, this poetic sensibility and the linguistics that carry throughout. And, and it gives you, it goes along. You can see <laughs> times where it's like, Oh no, this person is like really hopped up on speed when they were writing this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that with Diane DePrima like you get with many other beats. Uh, I don't think she was, that was so much her scene. But, you know, there's still that kind of, like if jazz music, though, because particularly the bebop jazz that was this core time period when we talk about the beat generation, there's a certain core time period, I feel, from like, you know, what, 58 to 63 in there? Mm. You know, and that's when you had like, Miles Davis is kind of blue, which fucking one of the best albums of all time. It just turned 60 years. So it came out in 59. You know, you're talking about that. And that's like considered, you know, pinnacle, like example of bebop stuff, you know, some of the style and Charlie Parker and Mingus and, you know, going down the list. Um, but you have this sensibility when you see even a writer 
like I'm saying about Diane De Prima, who doesn't have a scene where she comes across as hopped up all on speed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, maybe just chilling, smoking a joint or just having coffee, you know, whatever. She seemed to Um, enjoy, you know, the occasional drink, the occasional smoke, you know, not too intense. Much more chill, much more chill. And, um, but you know, you can see just the influence of jazz music and that kind of rhythm in the rhythm of some of the writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I for sure tried to emulate that many a night uh, in my <laughs> in my bedroom at my writing desk. I would pop on some Coltrane or something like that and drink a bunch of coffee. Uh, it, it was it was interesting. I, I uh, uh, the energy of the writing and the freeness that you know, especially uh, um, generally about this book. I love how, except for the use of gender pronouns, right? This could be something that you might like. As soon as you uh, think about a woman in the 50s talking this way and writing this way, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are reluctant to, you know, like, no, no, people didn't talk like that then. Uh, That sort of thing. And I think it's part of the reason why a lot of the women in the Beat Generation wrote their books later or, Mm -hmm. you know, were a little further back in the fame spectrum because there's, yeah, and still today, but there's very much, uh, even in the rebellious freewheeling world, there is still that level of uh, patriarchy or misogyny. Right. It's still a boys club. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really liked this book. I'm glad you recommended it. I don't know when I would have got to it. Well, and it's not that I didn't remember. It's been a while since I read the book. And it's not that I didn't remember that it was erotic. I just didn't remember how erotic. Oh, my God. <laughs> until, I'm like, until I'm like, I was on the subway <laughs> reading and I, one day and I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's right. And this quickly into it, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh... So I had to be where I, walked, I read it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, it's I, a I... handed read. Let's put it that way. <laughs> What's that? Say that again in case I need to get edited out. Uh, no, I said it could easily be a one-handed read. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, one, one thing is I'm... Probably, well, I don't know. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I feel like if I had read this when I was fourteen or fifteen, it would have been a much different experience because I could still probably use some sections of this book as pornography. Um, well, not as pornography, but one-handed book. Yeah, I like yes. that. Uh, so I probably wouldn't have paid as much attention to the style and the overall Mm -hmm. story um right when i was younger but i was reading one of her um well and 
it's it's also it sorry to interrupt but it's also sure it could easily devolve into just plain smut okay which there's nothing wrong with that okay but she has a writing style that transcends that yeah you know so there there is more going on yeah the before the after and the in between is still something you want to have read right right I was reading one of the uh, lesbian sex scenes at the mm-hmm. BMV when I was getting my <laughs> my, my ID renewed. Um, <laughs> and I just therapy when I was reading that scene. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I got to stop reading this right now. Go ahead. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, I try not to take up, if there's only one or two seats, I try not to take them because there's always older people than than I or ladies who might want the seat but there were a decent amount of empty seats because for some reason a bunch of people were standing so I went and I sat down and then a older lady came and sat down next to me and I was sitting there reading and I just heard a like a sound you notice that is meant for you perhaps and I looked and she was just kind of like I knew she was looking at one of the pages about you know and it was, I, 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 uh, I just kind of, I, I finished the chapter because fuck her, you know, she doesn't have to read my book. But then, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but then I, What's then the I lady? put it away. <laughs> yeah. I did, did some other things, but it was just funny. It was like, that was probably you when you were in college. What? <laughs> What, her? I know, not you. I don't know what you were like in college. <laughs> I was like, who was the directed at? <laughs> I to, thought you were talking about me. To the disapproving elder lady next to me that's, you know, cheating on my test and gets in trouble or, you know, wants me to be in trouble for it. Oh, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> you probably made that lady's day, but she couldn't let you know. <laughs> yeah. And she Old. was just like... <laughs> Oh no! I've got I've got to I've got to show this persona. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, Leslie thinks I'm a perv. <laughs> Later that night, old Walter never knew what hit him. <laughs> Gladys rocked his world. <laughs> good for Gladys and good for Walter. Yeah, good for Gladys and Walter. <laughs> Uh, but uh, oh, oh, sorry, I derailed you <laughs> once more. You were talking about. Oh no, you didn't. Okay, I, I had interrupted. Diane De Prima and Memoirs of a Beatnik. Uh, what was your your uh, your next your next statement? So I, you know, it it's really one thing that I find interesting about this book and many others of the beat generation is this was a time period in the United States where like views of, of homosexuality or any kind of queerness was, they were starting to change somewhat, even though there's still this huge repressive, whatever 
McCarthyism kind of specter, you know. Um, but the beats, and so many of them were so fluid with their sexuality, uh, including Diane de Prima. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the the language that's being used to speak about queerness at this time is very interesting and to me and this is like such a perfect like time capsule for that where like she's talking about like she starts talking about how it, you know it it is starting to change and she's like gayness can no longer be used to hold the world at bay put down society around you signal your isolation and help you stand clear it is no longer a component of black magic cocteau Jeanet, or kenneth anger only last week i saw a copy of well of loneliness secret classic of my mother's generation selling for 10 cents on hate thrift store, you know thrift shop i mean it's just like she's i mean starting to see this kind of change at the end of the 50s and starting to you know and yeah it's just if it's some and it, it's just very interesting um because then you see also these different points later or she's talking about where she does the nude modeling and eventual like porn basically for the gay male photographers and such and you see kind of it seems a beginning of like a leather scene as well <laughs> it's you know and it's 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 just it's just kind of this interesting little time period where that where things are really starting to change but there were still such this cloud of repression and these traditional gender roles and and whatever else and to see how these traditional gender roles were still being pushed on queer people, you know, where it was, okay, you'd go to a gay bar if you could find one that, and then one that wasn't rated, you know, it had to be, oh, butch femme. Like everybody had to be, you know, very much this binary paired off, like in these gender roles and everything. And it's kind of interesting, uh, like I said, just these little glimpses into that. But then when you do have some people like Diane DePrima and, 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 the, and the other beats who were fluid with their sexuality and you see how that the ones that were, I think, I feel like almost more fluid with their sexuality ended up flowing into the hippie generation in a different way than some of the others. Yeah. Is that just me? No, I think that's a fair read of it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Just a theory. <laughs> you know, it, it some of it's hard to tell because a lot of this stuff is written as fiction that is supposed to be as true as possible. Yeah. Right. Well, which, go ahead with your thought and then I'll, I'll 
bring up. So, so some of the things are are minor. Uh, you know, something I'm more familiar with is how, you know, uh, fuck, what was her name? Carolyn Cassidy, in On the Road. You know, she was described as a different, looking different, and some other things, just because there was that old school. You know, you can't talk about having an affair with your friend's wife, and right? That sort of shit. Uh, right. So, but um, yeah, it, it, it's just, and when you when there's a lot of when there are a lot of drugs involved, we with uh, especially with more well. other writers, <laughs> it, recollection is, yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs> so, and I know that she had written uh, this what five or ten years after the time that it takes place. Yeah, I think about ten years afterwards, ten to twelve or something like it wasn't. It's horror. It was an extreme amount of time. You know, yeah, but and that's she... and that's part of the 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 beats is it it does sort of point out that reality so... is reality even if it's fabricated. Well, and even she, I was I was she has this whole thing about what is it that night by the fire or something where she starts going on into this like orgy fantasy and then, you know, you think this is what's going on. And then all of a sudden it ends like the scene kind of ends. And then she's like the night at the fighter fire, what really happened? <laughs> like, and it's, it's, okay. The players are all still the same, but no, there was no orgy. It was like, this was just in her, you know, whatever fantasy that she had going on. <laughs> yeah. And so she's even acknowledging that to some extent. Um, it doesn't happen any other time, but I was like, okay, you've at least acknowledged that, you know, there is a little bit of maybe at this point, this is what you really wanted or whatever. I mean, it's kind of an interesting way to do it. I mean, certainly calls it out more than, than there are other ways that you could have done it where it wouldn't have called it out as much. But I, um, I don't, I'm not saying I don't, I think it's bad, but it's just, it's kind of interesting the way she does that. <laughs> <laughs> what really happened? Like, you're, and I know the, every time I've, I've read this book and I get to that, even though, yes, I know, yes, um, upon rereading it, that that didn't really happen. I still kind of forget for a minute because she brings you so into the situation and with her language and her emotion and then, you know, then it's kind of like you have to stop yourself and kind of laugh. I mean, it's and I do every time, you yeah. know, because it's like, OK, OK, wait a minute. Maybe she's not a reliable narrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell sometimes. but Right. And fun. that and that addresses kind of what I was talking about last episode where I was saying, oh, I'm not a fan of memoirs necessarily. But when you can call it out like this, I, you know what I mean? I, I can appreciate it. Uh, certainly appreciate it more. You know, and the beat writers, I suppose some people could call their things, you know, memoirs. But so many people, you know, just because of the autobiographical elements they bring to it, but it's, it's much more, most of it is written as if they are novels, novels with autobiographical elements. 
Yeah. And, you know, and they put in that distinct category and that maybe it's because so many names are changed and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> did you hit the drum again? I did. Am I hearing? Okay. I'm not sure if I was hearing things. I should um, probably put it down if we don't want that to happen randomly, but no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I think it's interesting the way, um, uh, like some of the things she brings in here where she, where she's talking about like, okay, how I don't trust people over a certain age, like, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Don't trust just... anybody over 30, man. Yeah. She's like, cause my, because my experiences have always been blah, 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 you know, different things like that, where it's just kind of funny that it's like, it knows so much of something of that generation, you know, and the, like the, you know, the, um, the disjointed youth kind of angst <laughs> because she was so young when she, you know, when this took place. Yeah, she. I mean, she was eighteen, right? Seventeen. Seventeen. At seventeen to, I, I it seems like maybe nineteen. I feel like this took place over two year period, but she started out at seventeen. Right. Yeah, I'm. In, I don't remember the dates. There's just uh, so, like summer and February. Mm -hmm. April concluded, stuff like that. Right. <clears throat> well, Chapter 13 has the best title name. Which one's that? <laughs> Do you remember that? I'm trying to find the exact Chapter 13. Oh, organs, I've, I've got organ it. Orgasms and appreciation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are all these very basic chapter names, and then all of a sudden, that. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> breaks it down. <laughs> but it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 um, the way that she's like calls back these different philosophers and things in here too. And if, I feel like it was such a, yeah, you you know, you were talking about like, oh, being amongst a group of people and you're sharing all these books back and forth and you're devouring kind of whatever you can and what a, whatever kind of crazy ideas may be out there. And I feel like you, you it's totally this group of friends or acquaintances that she's around and, you know, I, I can relate <laughs> separately <laughs> to a certain amount of this. Yeah, you know, uh, and we there there are those those types within the groups. You know, we like my, I would probably say, although he wasn't gay, the Allen Ginsberg of our group was definitely my friend Josh. Yeah, right. He, he would play soccer barefoot, and I think he mm -hmm. was Buddhist for a time, and he right. he was a Boy Scout, and he knew how to find you know hallucinogenic hallucinogenic drugs in the woods, and uh, you know like oh yeah, I had a friend like that. <laughs> yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I have I have no idea who I was, but yeah, it, it it's really fun. And it, there were some really cool ladies that hung out with us. And, mm -hmm. 
yeah, it was it was weird. We were like skateboarding beatniks. You know, we would take acid yeah. and go to the train station, and it's just, um, I don't know. It's 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 yeah. Stutter, stutter, stutter. My coffee's gone. Um, well, yeah. So I, I was gonna say, do we have? Oh, there are. I was gonna say, let's wrap up the discussion on the book. Okay. But I realized there's something I did want to bring up about with the book. Okay. With you, because I knew I figured. I'm surprised you did not already bring it up. So there is that place in the book where the one guy, like who's older, Serge or whatever, like forces himself upon her. And she's like begins off thinking it's sexual assault and she's calling it rape. And then she's like, oh, wow. Then this is like she then she changes her mind. Not to say she's not allowed to change her mind, but it's weird and problematic. I, to some extent, don't you think? I do. I I was I I had considered that, but it I am also on the. Um, I feel like my role is to listen to the victim, and support what the victim says. Right. Right. No. Uh, especially being a. Um, you know, a male in this situation. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would, if she had told me the story, I would have said, that sounds a lot like fucking rape. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> me too. what do you need? What would you like me to do to support you in this? Um, I will definitely punch the guy out. If you like, if, if you, right. if you don't feel like doing it or whatever, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're both on the same page. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, and that's another thing we, we talked about, and we'll probably bring up a couple more times just in casual talking about Neil Cassidy, but it was yeah. also talking about the difference, although they were a little bit more on level ground than general American society in the same time. But there's still the like guys, the Roman dudes could fuck whatever, whoever, whenever, wherever. Mm -hmm. And women still had some things that they couldn't be free from. Right. Right. Well, and that's why you look at Deprima's book here. And she's, complete she's moving out of that like she's like no just it and in the way she rebels against that that double standard in society and she doesn't just rebel like i mean she breaks the door down but it's done in a way that's just so organic and genuine that it doesn't feel like obnoxious and flashy. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It could very much feel forced and over the top. Almost like she's trying to convince herself of something. But you yeah. don't. This is just, it, like, it, it's just, like I said, organic. Yeah, it feels very real. That's why, I, I, I mean, 
I don't think we're exactly to this part yet, but I would definitely mm-hmm. recommend this book to anyone. No, um, we were I no, we were about getting to that point. I just wanted to mention that one thing before we we wrapped up because I, I thought that it had to be addressed. Yes. Um yeah. It it certainly Yeah. It certainly deserved to be addressed, but um anyway. Yes. Go ahead. You're recommending the book? Oh, for sure. Uh, as as we both <laughs> mentioned, be aware of where you're reading it for both yes. people peeking, uh, sneaking peeks and for you, you may become aroused. Uh, it's not I don't know if it's meant to be erotic, but um, it's very sens- sensuous. I sensual. forget the animal house thing. Is it sensuous or yeah. sensual? It's sensual. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, it's no, it's it's erotic. Okay. Okay. Let's let's. It, it's a distinction, and it's written that way. Uh, erotic elements. Um, yes. To, <laughs> Not the entire book, but it's yeah. a lot. It's it's a lot of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a decent amount of the book. Uh, Which you knew eventually, I was going to be putting one of these kind of books out there <laughs> which which is fine you know a lot of the guys they did a lot of sexual experimentation but they didn't talk about it much and they didn't talk about it as emotionally or as lyrically as mm-hmm. you know you will find in diane de prima stuff and, right right uh, so yeah i mean i forget i can't remember i feel like well, you know, Ginsburg did all of his sex with Neil Cassidy stuff in poems. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit in what? Living at the Movies by Jim Carroll. Yeah, I believe it's been but, a long time since I've read that. But otherwise, for the most part, it is the occasional dude talking about hetero sex with a woman somewhere. As right. Sort of. And then this happened, and then da 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 da. You know, for the most part. Yeah. No. No. Agreed. 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 Um. Yes. So, of. Are you? Sorry, I don't want to step on you. Are you finished? Are you gonna say? Are you finished? <laughs> are you finished, Darren? Uh, I will just say I'm, uh, one I'm last, pushy today. One last, one last thing. <laughs> Okay. 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 So, no, I I just wanted to say, uh, no, obviously I would recommend this book. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, the be conscious of where you are reading it. And if you would like to read more Diane DePrima and other female beat writers, I would recommend the book Women of the Beat Generation. The Writers, Artists, and Muses at the Heart of the Revolution, um, edited by Brenda Knight. So, yeah. That's what that's my last thing to say on this before we go to a break and come back with the movie. All right. So. We, we will close this book and put on the movie, and we'll be right back. Fay Ray. <laughs>
Janet Lee. Adrian King. Heather Langenkamp. Amy Steele. That weatherman who saw the cockroach. That, oh my god! Jamie Lee Curtis. And you. Come on. You know you wanna. Let her rip. There. Now don't you feel better. You are now officially a Scream Queen. Come play with the rest of us at www.screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Either way, it's going to be fucking fabulous. The Scream Queens Horror Podcast. It's where horror gets bent. All right, and we are back with the movie portion of this show we are doing the last time i committed suicide uh came out in 1997 directed by stephen k based on the famous to people who this sort of stuff would be famous to joan anderson letter written by neil cassidy to jack kerouac it stars uh, there's uh somebody said last night that's a hell of a cast and i will say yeah, it's got Thomas Jane, Keanu Reeves, Adrian Brody, John fucking Doe, Claire Forlani, Barg Hel- Marge Hellenberger. Yeah, Lucinda. Amy Smart, Gretchen Maul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking rad soundtrack. Um, oh, God, the soundtrack and score is, oh, so fucking good. My only complaint was that my neighbors were blasting their music at that same time so it was tr- competing it just it, it was kind of hard to but anyway i want to rewatch this when i can actually concentrate just on this score yeah anyway oh, go ahead awesome. sorry yeah th- this is a movie i had not seen it in a while but it came out in um 1997 it premiered at sundance i saw it i was about 16 or 17 i taped it off hbo and I watched this movie a lot when I was a teenager. Really? I I'd never seen this movie. Okay. I've um, never seen it. You, we know you at least like, like the soundtrack, but in general, uh, are you more likely to fire me from the show or keep me on the show for bringing this up? Oh, no, I, I'll totally keep you on the show. <laughs> Not just for this, but yeah. <laughs> Even if I hated a movie, well, it'd have to be pretty bad for me to say, Darren, you're out. Sorry. Well, you know, we, um, we know you've got these giant jars, and in one jar, they're tiny skulls. And that's when that fills up, <laughs> I, get, I get kicked off the show. <laughs> and the other one, I'm not sure. Um, but we know the oh. one that gets me kicked off the show is a jar full of tiny skulls. Admit it. <laughs> okay um <laughs> sure but <laughs> just push that just aside anywho um i have no jars full of skulls they're full of other things okay oh. um <laughs> that's beside the point 
So, no, I did enjoy this. I did enjoy this. Uh, but, yes, it was a first-time watch for me. So, anyway, go ahead with what you were saying. Okay, so, yeah, I, I watched this. It, it was it was late at night. I'd been out running around smoking my filterless cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, I just watched this. And I was like, fuck yeah, Jazz. Yeah, I, I feel like this and... Um, there had to have been an, an earlier movie that I had seen that made me curious about jazz. Uh, and this is, yeah, this is like the best era of jazz, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, there, there's yeah. so much good stuff in this. But, you know, as a 16 or 17 year old, I had mm -hmm. not seen a movie that didn't have the generic 1990s soundtrack, you know. Of some new metal <laughs> and this and that and the other and then boom this is just really good fucking jazz and other uh like bebop and stuff and there's that really cool jingle bell song that you know didn't exist that version didn't exist in the time that the movie take took place in but i know blah blah blah, blah. yeah um but yeah it was uh the soundtrack easily stood out as wonderful part of this movie and uh i had never heard of thomas jane before i i had known who keanu reeves was because of you know mm -hmm. point break and bill and ted but yeah he gained to the theater nerd in you did you see that he came to this after doing hamlet on on stage yeah and i know he had gained weight for 35 this 35 pounds yeah yeah, and I love Adrian Brody. I just I'm always so happy to see him pop up in something. Yeah, as, as Ben, I think when I first saw it, I was like, oh, they call mm. him Ben, but that's got to be Allen Ginsberg, right? That's exactly. That's totally what I think. <clears throat> I think he's got to be Ginsberg. It <laughs> just yeah, the glasses, the affectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. the the absolute the, the shoulder thing mm -hmm. that he has going on. Yeah. It's the way he holds his shoulders, like, yeah, and with the glasses, it makes it's absolutely Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, why did we call him Ben? But especially when you have your lead character called Neil Cassidy. Yeah, but and uh, I guess that's another thing we maybe should say is that this this whole movie, since it is based on a letter, nothing takes place that Neil Cassidy isn't present at. Right. right. And exactly. uh, he paints himself, even though there are some stupid things he does in this, he still paints himself in the best light possible. And it jumps around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and interestingly, one thing I did like about this film is that it had these jump cuts, like just talking visual cinematically like from a cinematographer film editing point of view, it had these jump cuts mixed in t perfectly timed with the beats of the jazz with these hopped up speed ridden moments <laughs> <laughs> that we see Cassidy go through because he has those moments where he's trying to write and he's going down whatever, you know, and it, it's all that speedy kind of moment and it's all perfectly timed. I really appreciated that. Yeah, the, the editing on this movie, um, 
I couldn't find anything on Dorian Harris other than Dorian Harris had edited the movie. And, uh, right. Uh, the cinematography was Bobby Bukowski. And they did not have links on IMDb or Wikipedia. Uh, and mm. I, I wasn't sure how much we would talk about that. So I didn't yeah. deep dive. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it, 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 you know, it's, it's not, it's not a perfect movie, Mm-mm. but it's what I really, the, the thing that made, I think was the strongest for me was the way it was edited and with, you know, combined with the score and combined with the writing and these moments of narration. Yeah. And I, 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 I feel like I, I probably heard it somewhere that Thomas Jane had watched video of Cassidy, but mm-hmm. I think he had the cadence down pretty well. Right. And I know Keanu was stoked to do this, and mm-hmm. it was oh I'm, yeah, I'm so glad he did this instead of Speed Two. Well, but this just this goes down the path of him, but playing the kind of character like that kind of niche of film, like My Own Private Idaho, something mm. you know, a character for him. That's a little bit more, you know, out there, <laughs> a little bit more challenging because he can easily ride on his good looks. He's that kind of actor. Yeah. But I feel that he always does his best work when he has these little niche roles. He's inevitably a more interesting actor. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would I would go along with that. I was just recently reading something. I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. Mm-hmm. But there was an article on that that said uh, that was just going pontificating on Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt? is a mm-hmm. character actor in a movie star's body. We read the same article and oh, okay. I would absolutely <laughs> agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. Definitely. I mean, definitely. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, Keanu Reeves, I love it. Have you ever seen I Love You to Death? Yes, I love that movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that Tracy Ullman tra- and Kevin uh, Klein. <laughs> Kevin Klein. Oh, River Phoenix. River Phoenix. I know. But uh <laughs> He's got that pot yeah. leaf tattoo or shaved into the side of his head, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. What is it um oh William Hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. man! <laughs> Sorry, we are slightly derailed. Yeah, we went down Keanu Lane, but uh, as Harry, the pool hall lovable scumbag friend. Of yeah, he is totally a fucking scumbag. <laughs> I the first scene you see with him, the words that came out of my mouth, my mouth were, "How young are those girls?" They're in <laughs> high kidding. school. Yep, and you I mean, know that was obvious, but. How young? That was my question. I knew they were in high school. I knew I, that. I would say 16. I think they were supposed to be 16. Because oh. I was doing a lot of math the mm-hmm. last time I was rewatching this because Cassidy keeps referencing how old he was in different parts. I was like, okay, wait. Okay, he was, remember- he was, 19, he was 18 at this point when she was 16, which is yeah. kind of creepy, but it's not 32 yeah. or 33 like right, Harry right. is. Absolutely. It's a different situation. I feel because look at you can be 
like a sophomore and a senior in high school and dating. Yes. You know, and have a two year age difference. That's not, you know, that's a different story than, you know, uh, then you, I could still, be your dad if I had sex with yeah. your mom when I was 16 or yeah. 17. You know? Yeah, I know. And I know you're just like, oh, stop. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man. And uh, I, I, he, he, he definitely. But you're right. He plays a lovable scumbag. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of us have a friend like that in our past or in our present. I have. Or in met our future. Like that. Yeah. Huh? I've met people like that, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it, it's that friend that plays into your worst nature. Like there were so many times. I guess we can jump around since that's, mm -hmm. that's the format of the subject material. But you know, right near the end, Cassidy had so many times. If he would have left right after, if well, if he just said no, man, peace, or if he just said okay, I've made the phone call. I'm leaving. There, you know, right. he had to keep hanging out before. Right. Uh, I don't know if, did you ever read the first third? His, the only thing, the only book he ever wrote? No, I haven't. I'm not as familiar with Cassidy as I am with other writers. I've read letters of his more than anything else. I would say that his letters are better than his book. And it's kind of a joke that he wrote the first third of the first third. And it just kind of right. came out because he became the Neil Cassidy. It wasn't as right. good. You know, he was he was the he was the muse. It was it was like if the muse wrote its own yeah. thing. But he had a really mm -hmm. rough, unstable childhood. Uh, I feel like his oh, dad, yeah. his dad was in and out of jail. Uh, he was in and out of jail. Yeah, so in juvie or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so he was always chasing that stability, you know, the, the uh, shown mm -hmm. in in the letter and throughout Cassidy's representations, but you know, the the picket fence and he got married what? Four times, three times, two times, uh, you Yeah, know, I think three times. It's just always trying to have the normal life cuz he never had it when he was a kid, but uh And uh, it's that dream he's chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he wanted it all and he had it for 15 minutes, but you had to piece it together from one minute fragments. And so the the, the movie <laughs> starts with him and Joan Anderson, played by Claire Forlani. And it sort of springboards from there. And then she comes back with John fucking Doe. I did. I, I, I. I feel like I became introduced to John Doe's music looking him up from this movie when I was 16 or 17. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I hadn't gotten that far into my reverse engineering of, you know, when you first start getting into punk bands and then you see mm -hmm. who they thank in the liner notes and you go backwards and backwards and right. you eventually get to X. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just like, I don't, I don't know. That was one of the, not necessarily the slower parts of the movie. I I, mm -hmm. I think they could have gotten rid of the football scene I, no, if it, we didn't want to see Adrian Brody again. But he's always great to have. It it Yeah, there were, that's what I mean. There were certain things that it did drag in. Um, 
But yeah, I know. I could have seen more Adrian Brody, truthfully. Yeah. Um, partly because I just want an actor. Even if it's a bad movie I see him in. <laughs> like, what was that uh, Argento movie <laughs> that he did? Oh, I can't remember. Is it Do You Like Hitchcock or something? I don't know. I think so. or, or something like that. Oh, I, um, <clears throat> Argento. What? What? What has happened to you, old man? Um, this is when we need David here to do his Argento impression. <laughs> Punch it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can actually have a sound clip. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah. That wasn't a great movie, but Adrian Brody was the most interesting part of it. <laughs> you know. Um Plus, again, it goes to the fact of I like Ginsburg, and he's so clearly Ginsburg, and I just feel that it's a, a, an interesting balance. Hmm. Well, I just you know, yeah. Adrian Adrian Brody should play him if they do it again. Not that uh, James Franco did a bad bad job. No, no, I was actually rewatching uh how a, a part of it today before we were recording and I was looking and like wow, I mean especially the scenes where it's just Beginsburg as he's a little bit older and he has the beard, the mustache and the beard and you know, whatever mm. glasses. I'm like Franco really looks and acts like him. Like just like the the way he holds his shoulders too you know he is like what adrian brody like there's a very certain physicality to alan ginsburg and both of them have it yeah um but actually james franco has his bone structure looks more like ginsburg so when you especially the older years it's kind of i was really had forgotten how much he looked like him but anyway, we're not talking about that today. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about this movie. Um, God, what was I going to say? Yeah, the um, the I just I kept going to like, how young are those girls? <laughs> like, <laughs> which just like, yeah. Yeah, I that was that's one I just kept going back to. I yeah. just kept going back to Harry hanging out with the girls and I'd be, I don't think it helped that. Well, Harry's supposed to be 32, but right. Thomas Jane was definitely older than 19 or 20 where right. he was, where, well, well, okay. Yeah. 19 at the, he probably said he was because, 19. Yeah. Cause at, at the end of the movie, he says, I'll be 20 in, February or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He does when the, sitting down with the Monsignor. Yeah, but that could have been that Ooh. could have been a lie. Could Ooh, have been the Monsignor. <laughs> Neil, I can't <laughs> believe it. Uh, <laughs> you know that oh shiny luck and yep. Uh, for the costumer in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about the 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 costuming in in this? I I loved the clothes the women were in. 
the clothes that the women were in were better than the ones that the men were in. The Some of the ones that the men were in were not quite, like, absolutely accurate, but very close. And there were a couple garments, like, I was just like, uh, something's a, just a tailoring was just a tad bit off. But it was, or at least I'm like, maybe my preference of that time period. Maybe that's it. Uh to clothes that come out at certain time periods. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, I'll t- maybe that could be it. But this was also made in the in the 90s. <laughs> so think about that. There there was a, a tad bit of that, but the women's um, clothing was was pretty was pretty good. No, I definitely I'm like oh I would wear that I would wear that oh I have that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, and Claire Forlani, I don't know, she's one of those actresses that I'm never really taken to. I don't know, I've always find her very underwhelming. Yeah? I'm trying to think of other things I've seen her in, really. Did you see her in, wasn't she Meet Joe Black, which that was an underwhelming movie overall, but she really was an underwhelming. Um, oh, Mystery, she was... Mystery Men. Yeah, I've seen Mystery <laughs> Men and Mall Rats. Yeah. Uh, she was the sister in Green Street Hooligans, I believe. Elijah yeah. Wood's sister. Yeah, I think so. I think that might be all I've seen. Uh, I remember looking up earlier and uh, I may have seen that antitrust movie that she was in mm-hmm. in 2000 or 2001. But other than that, uh, yeah, I did not see Police Academy Mission to Moscow. Oy. I had stopped watching those movies by then. I. <laughs> That just sounds um, painful. Yeah, that was an early 90s or mid-90s Police Academy movie. Um, so, yeah, she's very pretty and she's elegant in those dresses, right. those flowery or those um, those dresses hang well on her. And yes, exactly. She did a good as, as disassociated. Jamie, yeah. As Jamie... Uh, Salmons would say it's a, uh, it's you know that golden cherub era <laughs> of the nineties, like that she was just like, oh, she's like the perfect physical beauty for it, because <laughs> the clothing just hung perfectly, yeah, and had that ethereal look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Which is good for the character because throughout she represents all he all the Neil aspires to have. Right. You know, talk, set, setting up the, the forever after at 19, after bailing on her, after, uh, I guess, more tying these, these things together, sort of how the, the book ends and a topic at, the beginning of the movie sort of bookend mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I um I don't know. I don't know. 
it's a I'm like, he's such a shitty guy. Why do you want to get back with him? <laughs> I mean, by most he accounts, he was really good in bed. Yeah, but that's he, not everything for everybody. But uh, he abandoned you when you just, oh, God, no. Yeah, that, that stood out a lot more now than when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you tried to kill yourself. Like, just, no. That's not the moment. No. <laughs> uh, so, <sighs> there's, yeah. Um, let's see, so we did Harry, we did the girls, we did the stealing cars, and the Monsignor, and Cherry mm -hmm. Mary. Um, fans of Thomas Jane, you pretty much get to see his penis in this movie, if you haven't watched this yet. You're not just pretty much. You do get to see his penis. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> there's not. A, there's not. There's not a distinction between like kind of, sort of. No, you just do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not frontal. It's not totally frontal. He's on his yeah, side. Yeah, it is. But is it? No, it is. Okay. There's both. <laughs> the bathtub scene. Um. In one of his Hollywood flashbacks. Or, I can't remember. Yeah, the, the way the movie jumps around from, oh, wait, I got to tell you this part that'll make make the rest of the scene sense, make make more sense. As, I mean, she was frontal too, though. So, it, you know, it was a natural, normal scene. It, you know, was just like, yeah. But you yeah. never know what they're going to censor in what movie. That's what I'm always curious about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this for analytical purposes. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, would you recommend this movie? Um, not to everyone. Okay. But I, I, there are certain people I would absolutely recommend it to. Uh, because I think you have to be into the beats to a certain amount because they're, they're just the entire vibe of like the film editing that just basic style. If you, you know, you can't be in that mindset, you know, that's there. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to at least feel out of the box of your basic mainstream Hollywood movie is what I'm saying. Yeah. Another you know. fair assessment. Yeah. But it was good. It'd probably be easier to recommend the soundtrack to more people than the movie. Yes. Oh, I would absolutely recommend the soundtrack to, to people like, yeah. That's a given. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I was also kind of curious. I'm like, okay, so how many of those things do I have already in my music collection? I would. That's the funny thing. Because um, I'm like, I actually have a lot of jazz from that kind of same era already. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I fared well. I was proud of myself. <laughs> for a moment <laughs> nice I don't have as yeah. much uh, jazz in my vinyl collection 
uh, as I used to have in CDs. Mm-hmm. Well, mine's all mine's all CD or digital. I just had to do that because of space. It's New York City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really had to downsize that. I had to get my, <laughs> my vinyl nice homes. <laughs> you don't yeah. live in the high fidelity apartment or is that in Chicago? Isn't Have you ever that seen Chicago? that John Cusack? Yeah. It's probably Chicago. Yeah. He, he makes as much it's stuff Chicago. take place in Illinois. It's Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Um, I obviously recommended this movie to you, but I knew that you right. were into the beats. And yeah. I I was a bit more freewheeling and telling everybody they needed to watch this when I was in high school. Is mm-hmm. but yeah, if if you're into the beats, this is this is good. I feel like it's got a good pacing overall. I think some can be a little drawn out, uh, especially some some of the documentaries are dry, <laughs> right. And academic, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, if you're into that, cool. I mean, I am, so <laughs> I, uh, I could recommend that if you're into looking for something academic. They, it's a whole, yeah. They all got, yeah, like it would like it was you know, like going back to the Diane de Prima. You have a group of people who were sharing all these different kinds of book and were just soaking up knowledge and. Just so many of them became academic, you know, professors or whatever kind of teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, I had fun in our first discussion on the beats. Yeah. No, we're definitely going to do more. We, 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 uh, there's so much that you could talk about. And we were, we're trying to keep it relatively short today. So. Which I know we babble, we ramble. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, anything under three hours is good. Okay, yes, absolutely. Darren, did you need to take a break before we wrap up the show? Are you good? I'm I'm good to to wrap it up and say farewell to everybody until next time. I'd say. Okay, okay. So um, we actually got some listener feedback before we did this episode. So, Darren, do you want to share a portion of what we got? Uh, well, over at the Flick Chat app, where we are VD Clinic Pod, uh, Robert chimed in a couple times. He's sort of getting reintroduced to some of the stuff. He's he's looking for the original Scrolls version of On the Road, and but he he read On the Road the original or the normal the regularly released the le- the more edited version and dharma bombs and he's been checking out some of the movies that we're considering talking about so i don't want to go too far into that yet um but uh he was curious about the different depictions of neil cassidy and if we had any preference uh yeah, I, um, I don't ho- have a whole lot of. Di- I never saw on the road uh, with the one with yeah. Kristen Stewart. So, I, I think I feel like I saw part of it, but I didn't get to finish it for some odd reason, and so I don't feel like I can give an actual educated answer. Okay, there, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a weird occasion where I didn't get to finish a film. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, Zora's um, chastising me over that. But yeah, he liked the the documentary of William Burroughs pretty well. And yeah, did did you have any emails? This is just the flick flick app. Well, and Robert did actually email us before that, or what? I don't know. It ended up being around the same time, I guess maybe. But he was he'd been banned from Facebook, so that's why he hasn't been commenting over there. And that um, he was excited for Books of Blood coming up. But then he sends and and, and so he sends whatever a couple days later, or whatever a day later. Um, where he just started reading memoirs of a beatnik. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd I thought I'd uh, share his email. Um, so reading that first chapter of memoirs was a hundred percent of shocker. I saw the cover and was thinking I was in for some recollection of the beatnik crowd and one woman's hidden loneliness throughout the period. And nope. Here, here you have some fairly explicit sex instead. I couldn't stop laughing out of uncomfortable awkwardness. I would have been okay with it, but it was so not what I was expecting that I couldn't help but feel embarrassed and put in my place for being so presumptuous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> I can't wait to read more of it, though. I'm really familiar with a couple dudes, and even then, I it's just barely. I mean, I have listened to two of Jack Kerouac's novels, and they're at the odd poem by Ginsburg, but that's about it. Reading reviews for On the Road soured me on Goodreads, since so many people... Sorry, Zora just hit me in the head. <laughs> soured me on Goodreads, since so many people didn't get a, didn't seem to get it the way I did. The prospect, though, of reading about Diane has me pretty excited. So, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Um, and I'm glad to know that you were put in your place. So, <laughs> being presumptuous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose I, I, I could see that. Um, I did. I, yeah, I didn't really give divulge any information ahead of time. And the I guess the if you hadn't read that description, that's on Goodreads or I guess what are the back of the penguin book? <laughs> you might not know exactly what the book is about. <laughs> I don't sometimes, know. Sometimes going in blind is a fun way to discover a book. That's true. That's very true. That's very, very true. Yeah. So Darren, um, next month we're actually taking a break from a uh, reading and we are going to be doing a double feature of what? Oh, I, I always get the names mixed up. <laughs> okay, of, we're of continuing. We're trilogy. continuing. Yes, our women in prison trilogy. Uh, yeah, that original Roger Corman one. We did, you know, that commentary of the Big Dollhouse. Was it just last December? Yeah. Now we are going to be doing a double feature of Big Bird Cage. Women, 
right? the big bird cage and women in cages. Yeah. Yes. And both, including Pam Greer. Mm. Yummy. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> One including Sid Haig again, but as a different no. person. No? No. Both I, I thought he was Sid in Hig. two of those. Um, I believe he's in both. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> he's I... in all of them. I think he is. He's in so many of those, but I I could be wrong. But I thought he was in both. I I know he was in the last one. I thought he was only in one mm-hmm. more, but oh um, no, we will he's find in... out. Yeah, he's in a bunch of them too. Um, I think he's also in Black Mama, White Mama, but <laughs> along with Pam Greer. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so yes, we're going to have some fun exploitation excitement. And you have not, Darren, you haven't seen either one of these, correct? No. I figured we would be getting to them all eventually, so I've been saving them. I own them all. Okay. Yay. Um, (laughs) I will watch them multiple times if you like, but I know you've been enjoying the fresh take. Well, of course. I do. I do enjoy that. Yeah. I will. I always enjoy when I can introduce new movies to people, but, uh, or new books, but yes, these, uh, these are fun. Um, at least I think so. And I know you enjoyed the last one, so I think you'll enjoy these. Yeah. Uh, as, as I said, as I've said before on at least a couple episodes of this and probably anytime I talk about the exploitation films, mm-hmm. I, I always wait for someone who's a bigger fan of the genres to recommend things to me because it's so easy for me to find a kind that I don't like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Because there's so many of them. And so uh, I'm relatively learning as I go uh, (laughs) with podcasts uh, in the the larger umbrella of blank exploitation. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I know that I've seen a lot, but of course I know I have not seen everything. <laughs> we actually, you were talking about the Flick podcast chat app mm-hmm. um, thing. We had a, a couple discussions going on in there. Uh, again, Robert, but oh, who else was it? Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm blanking right now, but it was about one of those movies that from the early sixties, that's trying to be like, Oh, I'm a fake. It's it's like a fake documentary and it's trying to show like life of lesbians of that era. And it's just, yeah, I'm like, I haven't seen that one, but I'm just like, I know this style you're talking about. And, uh, and meanwhile, I had been watching like all kinds of um, crazy other exploitation, the like roughies and stuff. So <laughs> Yeah. It, it, so yeah, that uh, we've had that little chat going on over there, <laughs> which has been interesting. Because now I'm like, oh, I've got to go see this, and, and Robert's like, no, it's bad, don't. And I'm like, but no, I kind of feel like I have to. <laughs> I feel like it's my duty. <laughs> yeah, there's something fascinating about that. What came out of that era with those kind of movies? For sure. There's really something fascinating about it to me. Even when it's just a horrible and bad. But uh, anyway, so hopefully you will enjoy um, 
the movies for next month more than that. <laughs> I think you will. I think you will. Again, you know, they're again they're still produced by Roger Corman. Um, did I don't think Jack Hill directed. Well, did he do another one of them? Maybe, maybe not. I can't remember that piece, but off the top of my head. Anyway, long day, and it's not even that late. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that will be fun, and hopefully we will have a special guest with us. That's the plan. That's the plan. And I think we will have to do uh, some quarantine theater. Oh, there we go. I think I think that's going to... I mean, women in prison movies. <laughs> it's come on. <laughs> yeah. And they, yeah. they'll have fun with it. They'll have fun yeah. doing it. Their, yeah. their style melds well with quarantine theater. Yes. Well... Uh, so so yeah uh looking forward to september uh look for us to do the can the the, the uh, final fina- recap the finale of season three of the handmaid's tale and... yeah it was episodes uh 10 through 13 which as of this recording i still have to watch that finale oh you do yeah i was gonna do that uh tomorrow I, I watched it Wednesday night or Thursday night. Mm. Um, so yeah, there is that stuff. You know, if you're listening, you probably know where to find us, but VD clinic pod on Twitter and Instagram and flick and at Gmail and, uh, Facebook. You and your favorite yeah. downloading places and whatnot, and thank you and whatnot, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And what are and and what are you um, up to outside of the uh, clinic these oh, days? Anything now. you want to plug? Outside the clinic, I think over at uh, Midnight Horror Show, which is currently being called the movie and hip-hop show because we've been doing a lot of wu-tang albums mm-hmm. um are you excited for that hulu series i am i'm definitely <laughs> looking forward too. to that and i think we're doing some sort of summer thing of uh, i know what you did last summer next week mm-hmm. and at psychosemantic uh I think I'm putting together a conversation with a person from the satanic temple on the, not like a higher up representative, just a yeah. member on that documentary, mm-hmm. Hail Satan. But nice. uh, more presently, all I've got booked is uh, there's going to be a political update. I got Bo from Legion, Legion, Legion Bo uh, did a little, uh, pop in like he did after the first democratic debates and i'll probably add a add a thing to that and uh, doing some conspiracy theory type jeffrey epstein type Mm. frank franklin cover-up documentary Uh, (laughs) recording that a a week from today Don't you love that I get all excited about the crazy conspiracy shit? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's interesting at the very yeah. least. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, uh, I'm probably going to try to get some of the more wilder things out of the way before the last push of the 2020 election, which will probably have some more serious moments over there. Or manic, just <laughs> total despair, total hope, roller coastering around. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to do some conspiracy theory stuff and not sure what else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um Have you started any <laughs> Have you started any more podcasts since uh Devour ended uh before our last recording? No, um but I've already have a full schedule of recordings for um basically the rest of august through mid october um large and some of it i'm guesting on other shows uh part like specifically like women in horror different things and and, and such and yeah so yeah i'm going to be doing a bunch of horror things i'm going to be participating in patrick uh, from the screen queens his potathon again this year um, for new alternatives that charity. Um, I will be definitely once I get the details and the links of everything about you know, like the fundraising on that. I'll be, I'll be putting that out there. But I should have that in September sometime. And but anyway, so yeah, and we're recording on there, and I'm kind of excited because it's a movie that kind of mildly scarred me in my childhood <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> part of why i i still have problems swimming <laughs> oh cool yeah <laughs> it's interesting but so, um a lot of cool stuff to look forward to uh, yeah look, look to our our social medias to follow us on our tangents through the podcasting world and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do I need to get the, the djembe back up here? I think so. All right. I think it's, I think it's time. So with that, I'm Vanessa, your beatnik chick. Play us out, daddy-o. It's so much better with bongos, but what are you going to do? Yeah, but <laughs> it's all good. It's the spirit. <laughs>